This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. This episode of All Have Another Podcast and all of the episodes in the Chicago Marathon Recap Series are presented by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for five free travel packs plus a year-long supply of vitamin D. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm bringing you an awesome conversation with Sarah Vaughn. Sarah is a Puma athlete, and she just completed the Chicago Marathon, placing seventh overall, the third American to come in the race. And she ran a PR as well. This was Sarah's third marathon. She is a 1500 meter runner turned marathoner. She lives in Boulder with her four kids and husband. And I got to see all of them post Chicago afterwards. It was so fun to see her in her element with her family right after running a 226 marathon. This episode, you get to hear all about Sarah's experience in Chicago, how she compared it to her first marathon experience at CIM, her Boston marathon experience last spring. And this is overall just a really fun and casual conversation with one of my favorite athletes to follow. If you are excited about this series or this podcast at all, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. Let us know what you think about the show. That is one way potential new listeners can find us. And make sure you share about it on social media so new listeners can find us as well. And let Sarah know that you enjoyed hearing from her on the show. She is SME Vaughn on Instagram. That's V-A-U-G-H-N. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Sarah Vaughn. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah Vaughn back on the show. Welcome back, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, sorry, before we get started, I have to know how did your workout end up and how much money do I have to donate to everyone that counts today? Because I saw halfway through and then I got busy. Oh my gosh, Sarah. That workout was so hard. Like, Aww. I never do 10 half mile repeats. Like, I, I will max out at eight and I was like, I'm going to go back to 2010 in the Bart Yasso way and see how many I can do at this certain pace to predict that I can run 320 in New York. So I did all 10. Okay. Um, My last one was 630 pace, which I fought so hard for. Um, So I feel really good about it. But um, yeah. And so I I always try to do these like things where I'm like, you know, if I do this, like try to get people to donate X dollars. So because then it makes it like exciting, you know? Um, yeah. so I really did have in my head, like 10 repeats, $10 for 10 people. And I did not get 10 people to donate, but I had multiple people donate $50 so that oh, that got me to my hundred. Count me in. I'll, okay. I'll give you 10. Today. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. You're so oh, sweet yeah. to ask. That's cool. It's nice to put your goals out there and then you got some accountability too. So yeah, I really like, I really train. This is not about me. We're going to talk about you, but I really train at like 65% and um, I think racing that 5K in Chicago gave me a little bit of glimpse of like, maybe I want to really train, you know? So putting it out there on Instagram motivated me to not do only eight. Perfect. Good. All right. Well, we're here to talk about 
your experience in Chicago. You are so kind to ask about my my measly little workouts, though. But congratulations. You do have a new PR from Chicago. Yes, I do. Thank you. How are you feeling? Good. I, um, you know, been taking it easy the last few days. I've got some soreness and just normal post-marathon slump. But um, I, you know, a PR is always something to be celebrated. Gabe taught me that a long time ago, that even if it's short of what I was hoping for and, you know, short of my A goal, it was still a 30-second PR. I can't be upset about that. So, yeah. What's the quote from Gabe? You've, you post this before. Like, it's so, something about it being okay to suffer, but it's not okay to give up. Yeah, struggle, but it's not okay to give up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's moments of struggling out there for sure. <laughs> I'm super curious what you thought about Chicago compared to CIM and Boston, like the course. They were all so different experience-wise, like even in like atmosphere-wise, but the course was great. I love the course. You know, we visited the course about a month ago and ran parts of it, and I was like, wow, this is going to be my course. I just really liked it, and I thought I could run really fast. So the course itself was awesome. Um, the atmosphere was great. I mean, the crowds were awesome. There were quiet parts, um, which I ended up being grateful for. Um, but like, yeah, it was just so different than Boston. Um, in that regard. And then just any major marathon is different than a non-major marathon. Like CIM, so California laid back. You show up at the start line, they're like, oh, you're Sarah? Cool. Line <laughs> up. Here's a spot on the line. Where like in Chicago, I was like elbowing to get like five deep on the start line. So it's just different experience. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you your thoughts on the majors experience. And then also going back to CIM, like choosing to run that one I mean we all knew we heard you on this podcast say that you like signed up and registered like us normal folk yeah. uh, <laughs> but like <laughs> now looking back that you've done two majors like are you glad that you did CIM as your first I thought it was the perfect first experience it was you know I was for a time running with McKenna and she was debuting and I just kept thinking like good for her she rocked it but um I was really glad that I debuted at like a low key no no appearances you know before Boston I had a three-day schedule of interviews and appearances and all that stuff and I was like it was fine but it was a little bit like it made me more nervous so I was glad that my first experience was a little more low-key okay I'm super curious about your thoughts on this pre-interview thing because I do try to get interviews on the podcast but like whenever I'm physically present at a race I'm like the elite runners want to rest and like be out of the spotlight and like just chill. And so I always feel like I don't want to ever ask, like even at the elite press conference, I didn't want to walk up to anybody and ask them questions. I think it's part of the job. I would have been happy to answer questions, but at the same time I ended up with COVID um, at Boston and I'm sure it's because of all the appearances I was doing beforehand or the plane or who knows, but there were lots of crowds and lots of, um, lots of people in close quarters. So who knows, but I'm always happy to do short interviews as long as it's not like an exhausting, you know, process. But I appreciated this experience. Uh, I appreciated Boston too. And I loved the um, appearances and meeting people, but I also am the type of person that um, half the reason I want to race is to have a night by myself in a hotel room. So <laughs> I got two of those before my race and it was great. And I just like hunkered down and ordered in and didn't have to be social. And it didn't have, I didn't have any obligations at all, which was, uh, I thought was great. Yeah. But you are like pretty extroverted and social. So does that like I make you feel weird at all being so alone? A little bit. Like there was a, there was a 
time on Saturday where I was like, wow, I haven't like talked to anybody really or seen anybody. And I have a ton of friends that I'd love to go out to dinner with, but, um, but it's like rejuvenating for me. I think I, I have a tendency to burn myself out socially. So just like I got some work done. I watched some Netflix. I took a bath, you know, just, it was kind of like a mini vacation before the race. What did you watch on Netflix? I'm watching Gilmore Girls again. Really? Like the original? Yeah. Well, Kiki started watching it, my oldest. And um, so I watched the first, uh, the first couple episodes with her. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how good this was. So fun when you can actually enjoy the same thing as your it's kids. Great. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm trying to think if I have a show. Well, we, we do watch Harry Potter, but um, I feel like Cobra Kai. I feel like I watched that with Marshall a little yeah. bit. Did you ever yeah. watch that? Brent watches it with uh, with Cassidy, our seven-year-old. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So your whole family was in Chicago, though. So did you just get two separate hotel rooms and did they come a little bit later than you? Correct. Yeah. I came out on Thursday night, got in kind of late, um, went for a little shakeout, had dinner. And then um, I was there all day Friday by myself. And then they came in Saturday just in time for dinner. Like I ordered dinner and had it waiting at the hotel. We had dinner together as a family. And then at about seven o'clock, I was like, bye. <laughs> went, went back to my own hotel room and <laughs> Hopefully they slept well. I think they did. They got up really early. They rented bikes. They were all over the course. Um, but my husband's a superhero for bringing them all by himself, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it was kind of like uh, a struggle for me because I want him to myself because he's my coach. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't, you know, having my kids with him during the day, like brought a lot of peace too. So it was it's kind of a sacrifice I had to make to let my coach be their dad for the day. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, especially with four kids. I mean, that that's a lot of juggling. I'm super curious, like, were you texting him while he was dealing with them, like just doing like last minute race chat or did you call him before you went to bed? So we put we put Kiki in charge for maybe a half an hour on Saturday night and he walked me to my room and we did like a mini race plan, which was very simple like mm-hmm. we didn't have a complicated race plan so it, I felt like it didn't need a lot of discussion um so yeah we did that but uh I was texting him more like don't forget Davy's hat and I packed you guys some <laughs> gloves for the bikes because you know it was more like that type of texting yeah. <laughs> a couple days before um but the race plan was simple so I do I do take a lot of comfort in talking to him right before the start line and I didn't get that um he called and we had a little phone phone call but um that's okay it was fine what did he say to you? Do you remember? Um, yeah, he just said, stay calm and just stick to the plan. And we, the, the main race instruction I had was to not go out too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned through racing experience and through working out at altitude that if I go out too hard, I have a really hard time recovering on the run. Um, so my race instructions were for the first 5K not to run faster than 530, even 535. Um, so we started out really conservative and that was a good reminder. And I, you know, wore my watch and just, that was, that was the last thing he it did. That was about as technical as it got. And then after that, he was like, have fun. Don't forget to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. seeing them along the course made that, um, a lot more possible. You know, it was really fun to see them along the course. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You say that you had your watch, you're paying attention because, um, I feel like I've seen people talking about like not messing with your watch and just running based on feel, but like you're coming from running in Boulder at altitude, lots of Hills and like mm-hmm. Chicago's going to probably feel so fast to you. So do you find mm-hmm. comfort in knowing you could like, well, wait a minute, the GPS like is crazy in Chicago. So tell me about those feelings. 
Yeah, no, you're right. You make a good point. I um, I ran a 10K in Boston over the summer, and I remember we went out in like 5.12 or something, and I was like, this is so easy. It feels so good. And then it came back to bite me very shortly after. So, you know, I knew that I needed to um, not trust how I feel because relative to Boulder, every, you know, it was going to feel good. Um, but the GPS was funky. Like, uh, looking back at my splits, it says I ran a 4.57 mile in there. I definitely did not. <laughs> Um, but it did help like in the beginning to have a, a rough sense of the pacer, the pace group that I was going to go out with went out way faster than 530. Oh no. So I let them go right away and ended up back with the next pace group sort of accidentally. I wasn't even really looking for them. And then all of a sudden Ben Bruce was right beside me and I was like, oh, this works. Um, cause he was supposed to go about that like 536 pace. So ran with them for a couple miles. Um, but yeah, the GPS was super unreliable through the city. We had to like take hard splits. Yeah. I, okay. I forgot Ben Bruce was there. Josh Cox told me he was coming at the elite press conference. And then I totally forgot to look for him when I was like cheering my head off for you guys when you came through. So that group, were they running 227 and was the group you wanted to go out with running 225? Correct. Okay. Yep. Um, because you really, your goal, like you wanted to run 225. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew I had to probably do it even split or negative split. Um, just based on how, just how I know myself. So, um, I wish I, when I saw Ben was coming out, like I saw an Instagram post, I was like, gosh, I hope he's running my pace. Yeah. Um, just so reliable, but it was great to have him. I think I ran with them for maybe five or six miles. So it was good. So you end up placing seventh overall. That's, I mean, that's super impressive for a world marathon major. I'm really curious as you had to kind of like be super patient, not go out too hard. You know your body. Was it hard to let people go knowing like, I'm sure you wanted to place in the top 10 or top five? It's super hard, especially um, when you can't see them anymore. Yeah. You know, like I let them go so much and there's a lot of other people running too. It was kind of hard to see. Um, But then like when they were completely out of sight, I was like, oh no, Mm. I... Yeah, you just really have to trust the race plan. And then you make that U-turn, I don't know, six or seven, seven and a half miles in. You make a couple left turns and you come back on these long straightaways. And I thought I started to see ponytails and I got really excited and I kept smiling. I was like, it's working. The plan is working. Like they're coming back to me. Um, And I just kept running my 530s and, you know, eventually caught them, I think about 10 or 11 miles. Yeah, you must have caught so many people in the second the second half of that or 10 miles on because I mean I feel like when I saw you at early on you must have been I don't know 16th place you weren't up there with those first two packs I think I was even like 20th maybe at the first couple five and 10k splits wow did you so you start passing people I don't know how many people dropped but did you have it in your mind that you had moved up to top 10 no there was zero feedback along the course. I had no idea where I was the entire way. And even with the GPS being off with the, with my watch, I lost all calculations of predicted time. I was told at one point I was in fifth and I was like, cool. And then I I was told another time that I was in 11th and I don't think either of those were ever true. Mm. (laughs) So I have no idea what was going on, but yeah, zero feedback. And the couple of times I did see my husband and was able to tune into what he was saying, he didn't give me the feedback of where I was in the race. So 
that was a little strange. Gosh, it's it's so crazy too because I was down at the finish line and I was tracking you. I was tracking all the elite American women. Um, so it was like I was getting like, you're 97%, you're 99%. But like until you see that person running down that final stretch, you don't, you know, and I was like counting places. So it was yeah. so exciting to see you. Did you run with Susanna at all? No, uh-uh. I, I rolled past her at mile 11 or 12. Okay. When was with that group. When I caught that group, it split a little bit. Um, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to catch them. I'm going to slow down for a few miles, use them for five, six miles. And it was almost like as soon as I caught them, um, it split and it ended up being McKenna Morley Mm -hmm. and myself. And that's it. Like I kept looking over my shoulder thinking, you know, Laura and um, a few of the other women, Carrie, I'm trying to think who else was in that group. Mm -hmm. But they, um, yeah, it just split open a little bit for a few miles. So, um, I didn't really run with anybody except for McKenna for those few miles. And how does it feel to be, you're the third American seventh overall in the midst? I mean, there's a lot of really great runners in that group. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in line with what I thought I could do. I, you know, I actually time-wise I was maybe a little disappointed. Um, so it was, it was in line with it. Um, I mean, I've been working so hard, but again, in a marathon, like I learned from Boston, you never know what you're going to get on the day. So I probably took a lot more confidence from Boston than you would think I would on paper. I mean, I suffered the whole way. I struggled through that and I learned a lot from that. So I knew it couldn't possibly be that bad again. (laughs) Luckily it wasn't. So, um, so yeah, I just, you know, there were some rough patches, but it wasn't as bad as Boston and it wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, what was the main, you had GI issues in Boston, right? Was that your main issue? Yeah. And I ended up testing positive for COVID. That's right. You just said that. So, I mean, I don't know. I like, it was the next day I tested positive. So who knows? But I woke up with body aches and oh. I was walking to the start line and Des was like, are you okay? Cause oh. I was like hobbling a little bit, rubbing my back. And I was like, oh, my back, my, I have all these weird muscle aches. And she's like, oh, start line adrenaline. You won't feel it. Oh. And she was almost right. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, those aches, man. Oh, my gosh. What did you think about, like, COVID and GI distress? And that could have been because of COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. Aside, like, what did you think about that course? Do you want to go back to Boston? I think so. I mean, I, I knew that a flat, fast course would play to my strengths. But I think that I could probably tackle a hillier course, too. So, yeah, I'm... It's definitely have not decided what's next. And I don't know what we're doing in the spring, but that's not out of the question. Boston in the spring is not out of the question. Right. Um, yeah. Chicago's so flat. Like, have you ever run a flatter long distance race? Never, ever. I mean, I grew up in Western Nebraska. It's pretty flat. And even Chicago is more flat. Like those little bridges at the end are uh-huh. almost, <laughs> you're like, oh, a little bit of like different muscles turning on. Yeah. That last little hill, what it like, oh. did it hurt really bad? <laughs> it does. It does. But I was prepared for it. So when we came out a month ago, we like ran that a couple of times. We're like, let's really get a feel um, for how it is and how long, cause it's not, it's not that long. So yeah. But if it, you, if you didn't know it and you came up on that, like I can see how that would feel like a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so close to being done, but it's just like, Oh, this one last pit, uh, like push. And then you got to, you know, sprint it in. Right. And I pictured myself like flying up that hill to finish and then turning the corner and 
you know, having a 30 second sprint to the line, that is not what it looked like, but it wasn't as bad as if I hadn't, you know, experienced it before. You looked so fluid, but you're, so you, you PR by 30 seconds. So yeah. when you're coming in, were you like chasing that? Like, did you know you were PRing in that last stretch? So I have a really embarrassing thing that I did. I, okay. I caught McKenna, whatever, halfway ran with them for a few miles. I had to pull over um, and go to the bathroom behind a bush in this random neighborhood where there weren't very many people, thank God. <laughs> I I stopped my watch like an idiot. I was like, bathroom break, out of habit, and right. I stopped my watch. So that was dumb. I mean, I wasn't thinking, and you're kind of like, this was like mile 16, so like lack of brain glycogen, we'll blame it on that. But I, yeah, I stopped my watch. So when I started my watch again, I, you know, there's clocks and, but the calculations in my head were all off. So yeah. I thought I ran 225. You didn't know exactly where you were. You thought you did think you were going to be in 225 though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually going to wonder if you were going to bring that bathroom story up because you did tell me about that in the tent yeah. afterwards, but I was yeah. like, I don't, maybe she doesn't want to share that with everybody. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't care. I just am so frustrated and annoyed. Like I, that's usually not an issue for me. And beforehand, I mentioned it to a few of the girls in the tent. And McKenna was actually like, just go in the porta potty. Just sit there for like five minutes. Yeah. We'll get you if we go to the start line. I was like, okay, great. And I thought everything was going to be okay. And it wasn't. But it could have been worse. So you like had gone to the bathroom but you felt like you needed to go a little bit more. And then it didn't happen. And then you're like 16 miles in. You're like, well, I got to get rid of it now. Yes. I mean, I started feeling ill, like sweaty. I was like, I got to stop. I felt so much better afterwards. So I'm glad I stopped. Yeah. That, yeah. 10 more miles to go feeling like you got to go. That's yeah. so frustrating though. You want to just like empty it all out. And I don't know why that happens sometimes. I got to figure it out. I don't know if I got to have stronger coffee or what, but any advice is welcome. If anybody wants to message me that might have the same issue of something I can do because Day-to-day, not an issue. Right. It's almost like you need need your morning bathroom and then you need your pre-race bathroom. Like you just, you need two. You need two successful stops. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't get both, it's not pretty. It's a gamble. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it could have been worse. I mean, I was like, I made the decision to stop because if I didn't, it was going to be really embarrassing. So, you know, whatever. It was, it was what it was. And I learned you know, I learned that I need to address that and, and fix that. That's an issue. And I don't want it to be an issue in the future. So something to work on. All right. This series on the podcast is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I am such a believer in Athletic Greens. I've been hearing about it forever. Now I take it every single morning. I've been on it for about six months now. And I actually wake up like I want my Athletic Greens before my coffee And that took a little bit of time, but now it's like, that's how I have to start my day. I took the travel packs with me to Chicago when I traveled there for the marathon. And what I love about Athletic Greens, their product, AG1, it is a daily serving that delivers a potent blend of nine health products, a multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and more, all working together to help you feel like your healthiest self. And it's so simple. It's just one drink, eight ounces, shake it up with eight ounces of water, take it down. It promotes gut health, it supports immunity, it boosts your energy, and it helps you with recovery. So the cool thing is when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, 
you can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1 for free. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee if you do not see results, but I bet you will. That's athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay. All right, back to the show. So I saw a post that you wrote a while back about comparing like CIM to Boston with your childbirth experiences (laughs) for baby one and baby two, like the beautiful, seamless experience at CIM and then like this traumatic experience, which... um. I appreciate you sharing that you went to therapy for that because I think sometimes we underestimate the trauma that child can, birth can actually bring us and we try to like like push it down like it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then you look back five years later and you're like, holy shit, like yeah. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, I mean, I think we as a culture and just in, you know around having babies, we tend to like there's this saying like, well, you know, the mom and the baby are healthy and happy now. So everything's fine. And you just like, don't rehash anything. And I am not a fan of like telling birth horror stories. I don't tell a lot of people my tough birth story because I don't think it's helpful. But at the same time, there's no reason to sugarcoat it. And I needed to work on it when, you know, before I had my, my fourth, I needed to address that because you hold anxiety and, and stress in your body and it's, it's real and it just didn't feel good. So yeah, it definitely felt like I needed to address that. I'm totally with you there because there's nothing it's like anything like if you're preparing to have your first baby like there is nothing that is going to help you if you read like oh my gosh this happened and she could have died or whatever like it's only going to cause you more anxiety which will cause your birth to be more stressful but being honest about it is helpful so that other people that also feel traumatized are like oh it's not just me. No, therapy was actually really helpful because I had totally tucked it away. And if I had not gotten pregnant again, if we hadn't had a fourth, I might have never addressed it. Um, And then, yeah, and then I like actually went to therapy for like the first time in my life, just in general, too. So that was I felt like it got the ball rolling on a lot of healing. So that was good. Um, Tell me about that, because I'm scared to do it. And I know it would be helpful. Well, I felt a little pigeonholed because I was found myself pregnant again. And I was like, I need to address this. But I felt so much better afterwards that I was like, okay, there's something to this, you know, finding the right therapist and um, just really talking through issues, no matter how long ago they were. Like, you know, I had some stuff that I needed to deal with from literally 20 years ago. And I just didn't. And I'm fine. Like, I could keep on functioning. But once I started exploring that, I realized how much better I felt and how much better I felt. And I can talk about things for the first time that I was never able to talk about, you know, like it was, it was good. It was a good decision. Um, So you compared those two marathon experiences to those birth experiences. What, where does Chicago fit in the puzzle? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. I mean, a little hiccup in the end. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't, you know, I thought on a good day I would run 225. I thought on a really good day I would run 224 and you know, I didn't, but I still PR'd. So it was compared to childbirth. It was like the number four. It was like, you know, realistic expectations, got the job done. It wasn't super euphoric and painless, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the worst. So probably a lot of people listening have those feelings after a race. Like I feel like especially um, when you PR and you're in that same minute, right? Like, yeah. oh, I've already <laughs> run. 
22653. I it's, didn't even have to update my Instagram bio. Because <laughs> you don't put the seconds on. <laughs> how are you? I mean, this is still so fresh. I mean, this was just a few days ago. But like, um, how do you like reconcile those feelings of like, you want to be proud of yourself and excited. You overcame the like bathroom stop and still walked away with the PR. But like, you're still a little bit like, oh, I knew I had more in me. Yeah, it's it's hard with the marathon. I'm still kind of learning how to deal with that because it can't just jump in another one, you know. Right. And that's what I used to do. Like, oh, I was so close to PRing in the 1500. You could literally do one four days later and try again. Um, so it just kind of gets me scheming and dreaming about the next one. So, you know, last night I had some time to myself and I got out, you know, started drawing up some training plans and just start thinking about the next one. And I definitely don't want to take for granted a PR, though, like I said at the beginning of this. I mean – a PR is a PR, no matter how big or small, you've got to celebrate it. That's true. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out to dinner tonight with some friends and we're going to, you know, do, do normal stuff and, and enjoy my time off and get geared up to go again. But I don't want to like completely brush over it though. You know, like it is a PR and, and maybe it'll be the fastest I ever run. So we should celebrate it. Totally, totally need to celebrate it. Um, do you feel like, the course in Chicago is more difficult or easier than CIM? And how much does the major effect weigh into that? Like the fact that there's like insane crowds and it's just like, you know, hyped up even more by the media and whatnot. Yeah, I think I just felt a little different. Like I ran CIM so progressively. Like I kept trying to find the edge toward the end and I loved finishing fast. So maybe that made the course feel easier. But like the hills at the end of CIM are hard. Like I, I don't think you can underestimate that. And the long, long straightaway where you're seeing the street numbers count down block by block and not, you know, like it's it's hard. Um, Chicago, the course maybe it was easier, but the wind was weird. Mm-hmm. Like at the end, when you go, when you take that last south loop, I was made that right-hand turn and I was like, oh, the wind's in my face. That means as soon as I get to the turnaround, I'll have a tailwind for the finish. Yay. Get there. Turn around. I was like, wait, the wind's in my face. <laughs> like, how is this possible? So the wind is a little unpredictable um, at Chicago. I don't know. They're They're both hard and unique. Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, you're, you're like fully fully a marathon, three-time marathoner now. What do you love most about it? I just love the people. Like I reminded myself of that again, going into Chicago when you have that moment of like, why do I do this again? And then, and I, I, you know, you're on the starting line and you look back and you just see like thousands of people and they're so excited. And there's something about like tapered, rested runners. They're just happy. And I'm just happy to be around them. You know, even doing a shakeout down by the lake the day before, it's like, just fun people to be around. Everybody's chipper and waving and it's good energy. I like it. Yeah. Did you do your shakeouts at the lakefront? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, and they're just so happy and excited to go torture themselves the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super curious how you feel um, being at the start line. You're, now you're three marathons in, but like you've still been only marathoning for a short period of time and like in the track world, like I remember when I saw you at Sir Walter Mile, it was just like, man, that was that was your deal. Like, and you were asking about like the pace they were going out at it, and I was just like, she's just like an old veteran at this. Like, she knows exactly what's going on with everything. Um, but you've also been running 
very beefy miles, you know, for a long time, like even as a 1500 meter runner, but like, does it feel like a different world outside of the track? It does. Yeah. I mean, road racing in general feels like a different world and every marathon is a little bit different. Like I definitely learned a lot running Boston. Like I it just logistically, you know, like, do you bring your coat to the finish line? Which bag do you put it in? I asked Steph Bruce if you get um, hip numbers. I was like, they were, everybody was like waiting around a table and I was like, oh, are we getting hip numbers? And Steph was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, never mind. Um, and, you know, so you just like, in even Chicago, like with the mass start, with the men starting with the women, I was like, where do we stand? Do you automatically get pushed five rows back? Like, how, you know, who decides that? So, um, yeah, still learning a lot, but it is a different world in a way. I still feel like a newbie. Um, and I know I'm still learning things about the marathon and about myself, but it is nice to have three under my belt. And I'm hoping that, you know, I just get more and more proficient before the Olympic trials. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about that. The men and women starting together. I was talking to Krista Duchesne after the race as well. Um, and she's not running as fast as you are anymore. Um, I think she ran like 245 or something, but she was talking about that too. Cause she was like standing up at the front and like not wanting to get too far up, but like not wanting to get lost in the back where like more everyday runners are like kind of like yeah. pushing their way through. What did that feel like for you knowing that like you, you had a 224 probably in your wheelhouse? I just tried to not take up too much space and and you know be respectful of of the other runners who I knew were going to take off faster but that was actually a benefit of having done CIM mm -hmm. was the chaos the first half mile like people sprinting way too fast and just like a lot of noise and um yeah just pure chaos for a little bit I was a little more prepared for that so I actually made sure I was all the way to one side I was wondering kind of about that yeah, which maybe wasn't the best for the tangents, but I let it I let it kind of calm down for a few minutes. Yeah, because as a as a 1500 meter runner, like you're used to like getting clipped and like that being like super tactical. But in the mm -hmm. marathon, man, you fall down in that first mile of the marathon and roll an ankle or something, man, it's yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you're just trying to hold your space and stay on your feet and not get not swept, not get swept up into the excitement because. I could sprint off the line, but um, I don't think that would be wise. So, yeah. Um, are there other marathoners? Like you mentioned, you were asking Steph about the hip thing, and that's not like a deep question. But like, are there any other experienced marathoners that you've gone to with questions and just like thoughts about the majors and, and whatnot? Yeah, Amy Crag uh, is kind of my go-to Um you know, she, I asked her a lot of what I would say were dumb questions at the beginning of this and she was super helpful. So, um, it's great to, to be friends with those people and just have, you know, a ton. Well, and be, besides that, even in Boulder, even if they're not pros, like a ton of people had run Boston. Like a lot of the guys I was training with had run Boston. A lot of them had run Chicago. So they can sort of, you know, give me the ins and outs of the course too. So there's been a lot of people that I could ask questions, but Amy's been really helpful. Amy, I love that you talk like brought her up too because I feel like I just haven't, you know, since she's retired now, I feel like I haven't talked about her or caught up on what she's up to recently. Yeah, and she was there, which was awesome. And she she still have her Puma group out here? Yep, she does. Oh, I love it. Okay, tell me about what's going on with Puma. They've just been awesome. I mean, you know, I would say Boston was like 
a big disappointment and they did not seem to mind at all. I mean, they were like, you finished a marathon. That's great. They were super supportive. I don't, you know, I don't know internally what their expectations are for me and I don't really want to know. And they haven't really put that on me. It's kind of beautiful. Like whatever my goals are, I want that to be coming from my camp and not theirs. And they're really respectful of that. They've been great. Um, so you're going out to dinner with your friends and Brent. Mm-hmm. What, what are you and Brent talking about? Cause you said that, I guess you're not talking about right. I don't know why I brought up dinner. Um, but you said mm-hmm. you sat down to like write out some training ideas and plans. Like, what does that look like with him being your coach? Do you just like collaborate and do it together? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it was probably a huge waste of time, but I like to <laughs> write everything down. I like to have a plan that makes me feel good. And then usually week by week, he changes things. So um, I was actually telling Alistair, um, Amy's husband, and I was talking to, I think I was talking to Dina, not to name drop, but I was talking to Dina and Andrew um, about Brent's coaching me and how intuitive he is. Like, we don't ever really have a plan that we actually stick to, um, which I think is beautiful for my situation. Like, he can see that, you know, I worked 50 hours this week and so let's like back it off or that I look a little less poppy. So let's add in some sprints. I mean, he's like just writing a, a big training block plan. It rarely ever goes to plan, but um, he's good at that and I trust him. I mean, I, I just don't think that could be more important. Like when you have multiple children, you're working full time and running 100 miles a week. Like I just... Even even on this like smaller scale of my life, you know, like I run like 40 miles a week, but whatever, like I I have to move things around constantly, like or else I will get injured, burn out and just like hate running, you know, and yeah, I think that people really get married to a plan and that can that that's when injuries really start happening. For sure. Brent has a really good um, grasp on keeping me like mentally fresh. So he thinks that as long as I'm mentally engaged and not burned out that I won't get injured and that I can keep training hard. And sometimes that means calling a workout or pushing things back. And we learned, so we just did like a YouTube video series and our poor camera guy, we changed the <laughs> Every time. Like, it was hilarious. I was like, we should actually probably include this in the video. Yeah. Like, let's let's meet at 7. And then I'd text him. and be like, okay, actually, I have to run David to school now because this came up. And so it's going to be 7.30. And then 20 minutes later, I text him. And I'm like, okay, actually, my kid stayed home from school. So I have to go, like, make her some tea, make sure she's set. And then I'll meet you at 8, you know. And then it ends up being 8.15. So I'm like, totally. that's our life, shuffling things around, basically being ready to run whenever it happens and hoping for the best, but also being prepared for things to change around. Um, I think that my lifestyle and the way I train might drive other pros absolutely crazy, but I've got to make it work. You, yeah, it's how you got to do it. I I was just talking to Glenn about this because I was like, uh, I, I took one of Sandy's friends home from school with us today and we're, I'm going to try this trade-off thing where like I get an extra hour one day a week and this other mom does too. And I always just feel like though in times like that or like when I'm out in the middle of the day at like two and I'm just like look like I have all the time in the world. I always think my neighbors and people think like I don't actually have a job but I'm like no I like I just have to do everything totally flexible or I I just can't operate that is the only way I can do it or like if they see me running at like 11 a.m like oh there's Lindsay like she doesn't work she's a stay-at-home mom and all of her kids are in school you know (laughs) like yeah no I can I feel you there I we have a live-in nanny and um she doesn't know that she doesn't know anything about running or pro running she didn't even know I was a pro runner when she (laughs) 
when she signed on with us. Well, maybe I wasn't technically at the time, but she looks at me like I'm absolutely crazy sometimes. And it's totally like it makes sense. Like she'll come out of her room and I'll be on the treadmill at whatever time, you know, 830 at night. And she's just like, what are you doing? But now, you know, she's learning and she gets it. And same thing. Like sometimes she's working and she's home and I'm also home and just trying to put my feet up for a minute. But same thing. And so she's learning that, you know, my day uh, operates a little differently than a nine to five. And she's super intuitive about knowing when I'm working really hard and, and tired and she's good about picking up extra slack. So just give her a little plug. She's been helpful. Oh, I love that you always talk about all the help that you have and like put that out there because sometimes it really, without sounding cliche, like I know everybody always talks about social media highlight reel, like so, Mm -hmm. so common to talk about that. But like, I just think it's really important because I always say like, if you think someone is doing it all and doing everything so well, like they have help. Like there's just no way around it. No. Yeah. No, there's no way I could do what I do without her. Mm -mm. And I will say the same for like my husband with my life. Like I'm not doing as many things as you or not competing at this high level, but like I couldn't do it if my husband didn't work from home and couldn't just like move his schedule around and do the pickup some days. And you know, some people's significant others don't have that flexibility. And I'm sure that that is extremely hard. I would have to be paying for a lot more childcare if that were the case. For sure. There's trade-offs with everything. Uh, Which one of your kids is like most into your running? Well, I would say Kiki this year. So she just turned 16. She got her license like the week before uh, Chicago. And she is taking off on her own running journey, which is super exciting. But I think having them come, they've been to big races, like big track races. They've been to the world championships. It was awesome. But they didn't quite understand like when I first started training for the marathon, my 11-year-old was like, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, just – and she was a genuine, honest question. And so now, having seen a major marathon, they are like kind of all more into it. But I think especially Kiki, she was like, yeah, that was a big deal. And it was really cool to watch. So that's fun. Um, did you think Chicago was like so much easier logistically though? Like did it stress you out less because you didn't have to like bus anywhere? Yeah, that part was really nice. Like the loop course, logistically, it was much nicer. So mm-hmm. much nicer. Um, what's going on with Kiki's running though? Like is she, what distance does she do? How do you like stay in it, stay out of it? How do you feel? Are you like screaming on the sidelines? I'm such a crazy, crazy mom at, at the all of her races. Um, like sometimes I'll see other moms and I'll be like, wow, she's crazy. And then I really have to self-reflect and be like, that is definitely me when my kid is running. It's just like something takes over and I can't help it. Um, I never take photos of her or decent photos of her because I'm just always really into cheering. Um, so right now she's in the middle of her cross-country season and she's a junior and she's she's doing really well. I mean, she's like PR'd several times this year and keeps getting faster and it's just really fun to watch her on her journey like she's learning so much every race like she's learning how to race she's learning how to train she's learning how to like get out of her comfort zone she started talking to some colleges she's she's getting really into it like she definitely got bit by the bug the running bug I would say in the spring in track when she started winning a few races and yeah it's just really fun to watch Is that weird, like being in Boulder and I'm sure that the environment is just like a mecca of competitive kids and running is just a whole nother level there? Yeah. I mean, all of Colorado is pretty intense high school running wise. 
and I've kind of like we've kind of prepared her for that. Like there are kids here who train year round. Mm-hmm. There are kids whose parents are Ironman winners and, you know, Olympians. And there's a lot of like second generation kids right now. Yeah. I mean, I could name like six families who have kids running around and, um, you know, one or two of the parents were Olympians, all Americans. It's yeah, it's pretty cool, though. I mean, you in theory, they could all be teammates in the next couple of years at some college somewhere and have like a powerhouse team. So that's so crazy to think you're going to have a kid in college. Like how fun is that, too? I ran with a friend this morning that I hadn't seen in a while, and she has a daughter the same age. And she, we were talking about Paris, the Olympics, and she's like, well, if you make the Olympics, we'll go. And then she was like, our kids will be graduated from high school. And I was like, no. Oh, yeah. No, oh. you're right. They will. They will be graduating um, that year. So it's funny when things seem so compact and, like, short term, and then you actually put the time into that space, and you're like, yeah, she's, she'll be graduating in 2024. Isn't that we? Is it weird to have like you have like sixteen year old and you have a is Davy two or three? He just turned three. Yeah, so he just turned three. Yeah. For the for this marathon buildup in the last three months, Kiki's gotten her driver's license and we were potty training. <laughs> Are Very you done? Opposite of the spectrum. Yeah. Did you yeah. finish? Oh, that's impressive. A boy finishing yeah, by three. He did it. He hasn't had yeah. Knock on wood. He hasn't had an accident in a long time. He traveled all you know Chicago back. Yeah, he's been doing great. I've been like fully three and a half, I think, with all of my kids. I think I'm not a try harder when it comes to potty training. I have like friends like this last go around. I was just like so over it. And my friend sends me this like 30 page ebook on potty training. I was like, look, I've done this three other times. I just don't care. Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) wear a diaper till you're four. I want to be done. But like, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah, uh, we we take the same approach. David was just ready, so was it just ready. was helpful. That's so it perfect. Was, we didn't really do a boot camp or whatever. Like we we kind of did that with the other with the other kids, but he was just he was ready. You tell me I can't leave my house for three days because I'm potty training. I'm gonna go crazy. Like I just impossible. With our first one, that was a piece of cake. Yeah, I'm like sure. But even our second one, but yeah, after that, you're like, I have soccer and baseball, and like, no, we can't not leave the house. This is also. <laughs> This is also why I still have multiple kids in pull-ups because I'm like, just put the pull-up on just in case. Like, I don't want to deal with being woken up at 1 a.m. to change sheets. Like, I kept saying that to Brent the last couple of weeks before Chicago. I was like, maybe we should just put pull-ups on him at night because I don't want to. He he did wake up every night for like six nights in a row, maybe two weeks before Chicago. So um, I don't know why he was having night terrors. But um, then after we got that under control, I was like, maybe we should put him in a pull-up because like you said, I don't want to change sheets. I don't want to be, don't wake me it's like it's been so long now since I've had babies babies and of course you get woken up sometime for this or that but like it's a totally different ball game now and I'm like and now if I get woken up I'm like excuse me we're not in that phase of life anymore (laughs) it's so hard yeah he when he woke us up a couple weeks ago I was like how did we used to do this all the time I was like a zombie I like I was like stumbling around I mean it was rough so yeah I know last night Russell was kicking me. Marshall came in our room because he had a nightmare. And I ended up on the couch at like 2.30. And I was, and I, then I had insomnia. And I was like, this used to be my life like all the time. How did yeah. we survive? So, if, hey, if you're listening yep. and you are in it, it's going to be okay. Yep. You got this. It's temporary. <laughs> okay, Sarah. So we'll wrap up here. Uh, do you have any advice or, or thoughts on Chicago that if someone's going to run next year that you ha- took with you from the experience at, for elites or non-elites? 
Um, time your bathroom breaks. I need to. T- I need to talk to them and let them know there were no porta potties for like three miles. Crazy. Oh, not that I saw. So, um, no. You know, I think for me, especially on a course like that, the first it is easy to go fast on the first half. Like I could see how people got sucked into that. So I think my best general advice would be stick to your training plan or stick to your race plan. Um, that first 10k, even if it feels like you're jogging, mm-hmm. that's what you want because it will get harder later, for sure. I definitely saw some people out there at mile two and I was thinking you are working way too hard to be at mile two right now. (laughs) Like this is not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to start too fast on that. Even the whole first half, even in the middle after I, you know, started catching the other pace group, I was like, whoa, like it's easy to get carried away those middle miles. So, and the crowds are so good that whole first half. I mean, it's really loud coming up on the half marathon. It's easy to get caught up in that too so I'm super curious though on a hilly course how to manage that because like New York for instance it's like you have like obviously negative splitting is still the way of of that you should do things but like sometimes there are some pretty significant downhills and I'm like I'm just going you know and then I feel like I get a little bit thrown off I guess that's why courses like New York are tricky yeah I mean someday I'll be able to speak to that one but I am excited to see how you do Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully those 10 by 800s will pay off. They will. Sometimes you got to go to the well in training. So check that box. Oh, I love it. Well, Sarah, um, it was so good to see you at at the race. And I'm so glad that we got to say hi and I got to see your family all together. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. Your girls were so sweet. I told you after I saw one of them in the bathroom and I was like, your mom did so awesome. Are you so excited? (laughs) I think it was um, the young six-year-old. Uh, Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. She just kind of looked at me like, why do you know who I am? <laughs> like, why are you talking to me about my mom right now? Uh, but you are so sweet to like give me and the listeners your time and, and come on. I know you're super busy, so I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the podcast. Big thank you to our presenting sponsor for this series of the Chicago Marathon recaps, Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay and you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. You're going to want those travel packs. I just used travel packs when I went to Chicago and I was taking my AG1 every single morning when I woke up before my coffee. Such a good way to start the day. I love starting the day with a good, healthy habit. Uh, that's athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay. All right, friends, coming at you tomorrow with another Chicago Marathon recap with Megan Featherston. Thanks for being here and have a great rest of your day.